Okay, Bismillah rahim Nahmaduhu Nasalli ala Rasulihil Kareem. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him, and we are now exploring Surat Quraysh. Okay, go for it. Alrighty. So the writer begins by mentioning how the subject matter of the surah along with Surat Al-Fil um, is close. Um, and that in some early copies of the Quran, they've actually been written as one surah. Um, and when... Oh, the, you repeat that. It looks like, it looks like uh, you froze. Yeah. Alrighty, am I back on? Yeah, you're back. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that when the Quran was actually compiled um, after the passing of the Prophet, peace be upon him, um, Bismillah was uh, officially like inserted between the surah and surah al-fil. Um, and the first ayah um, reads because of the familiarity of the Quraysh. Um, and li in Arabic is actually a preposition. So li ila fi Quraysh. So it's linked to a different sentence. Um, and there are multiple interpretations in regards to um, this specific um, ayah, uh, one of which states that it's linked to the previous surah, um, where Allah says that we destroyed the people of the elephant so that the Quraysh who are familiar with the commercial trips during the winter and the summer uh, may not have any obstacles in their, in their trips or, or like any difficulties. Um, and then another interpretation is that um, it follows, the lamb of this um, ayah follows, um, so that it's actually translated as they must worship the Lord of this house. Um, and that the Surah draws um, attention to the two trade journeys done by the Quraysh, which was once in the winter to Yemen and then another in the summer, uh, which was in Surya. Um, and this brought them wealth and respect due to God's protection and, and created um, pretty much the hearts of other people to be in awe of the Quraysh. Um, and the Surah shows that um, out of all the tribes that were present in Arabia, the Quraysh was the tribe that was the most respected and acceptable, um, also in the sight of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it was reported um, that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said that from the Quraysh, um, Allah selected Banu Hashem, which translates as the dis descendants of Hashem. Um, and then from Banu Hashem, he selected the prophet, peace be upon him. Um, and then the reason the prophet um, has also said the people will follow the Quraysh and all that they do. So that includes in the good that they do and also the evil that they, they do as well. Um, and the reason that the tribe has been mentioned according to the writer um, is because of their special abilities and, and natural endowments. So in addition um, to the fact that, you know, they were living through a time of ignorance and kufur, the, mor the morals that they carried were a very high standard. Um, and so ayah number two of the surah continues by saying their familiarity with the trips of the winter and the summer. So Mecca is actually located, obviously, like in a desert where nothing can can grow. Um, and so Prophet Ibrahim prayed to Allah, my Lord, make the city a city of peace and provide its people with fruits. So um, 
the writer mentions how in order to bring this this life into the city, the Quraysh needed to make trips outside of, of Mecca, which were the ones that I mentioned earlier, um, in Syria and then in Yemen. Um, and they, the Quraysh were so highly respected that even when people traveled with them outside of their tribe, they, they knew that they would be safe. Um, and Hashim, who was the leader that I mentioned earlier, um, of the Quraysh would manage and evenly distribute the gains of the Quraysh to the rich and the poor, that even the poor were able to live like wealthy people. And so because of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spared them of like any major troubles and made Yemen and these areas grow abundant food so that they can carry their produce to, to Jeddah. Um, and the benefit of actually having the people of Yemen bring their produce to Jeddah is that the people in Mecca didn't have to make their trips annually anymore. They would just go to Jeddah to get whatever necessities that they would, they would need. Um, ayah number three uh, reads that they must worship the Lord of this house. Uh, the Lord of this house is mentioned here, according to the writer, because it was in this house that um, became the foundation and the source of all blessings um, for, for the Quraysh, um, which they like needed to express their gratitude to. And in ayah number four, who gave them food against hunger and gave them security against fear. Um, this describes everything that the Quraysh needed to survive. Um, and as I was reading this translation, you know, the psychology major in me noticed how it actually covers the two foundational levels of uh, the hierarchy of needs for Maslow's mm. hierarchy of needs. So mm -hmm. the um, safety needs as well as the physiological needs. So the security against fear um, is in reference to this world. So like, you know, any enemies or robbers, um, as well as the next world, according to the, according to the writer. So that would uh, be the punishment um, of the hellfire. Um, and that the writer actually concludes this, um, you know, brief summary by mentioning that um, Ibn Kathir, I believe, who is a fiqh and tafsir scholar, uh, during the Mamluk period said that whoever worships Allah according to the surah will be given eternal safety um, and that whoever deviates from it will be deprived of the safety. And um, that was how the summary was pretty much concluded. Yeah, very good. And so here, uh, uh, one, uh, one of the points to take is that when the Quran is speaking, it is addressing a real world. And sometimes it's hard for people to comprehend. And, and because when we speak of the Quran being for all time and place, then a lot of times people understand that to mean that every single passage is supposed to be for all time and place. And then, then they struggle with passages that seem like they favor men over women and such. So there's the passage at the end of Surah 2, Surah Baqarah, where you know, when you're taking out a loan, have two witnesses, and either the witness can be two men or one man and two women. And people say, hey, how can that be for all time and place? And the first proof that it is first speaking to a real historical context is the fact that it's in Arabic, right? It's in a very specific dialogue, a, di a, a dialect 
of a very specific language. Whereas if, uh, if it was going to be for all time and place, then Allah could have put in some universal language that everyone could understand, right? And then apply for all time and place. And then this is another example that it is first speaking to a very specific audience. So the Quraysh. And other examples are secondary, like for example, the depictions of heaven and hell, especially heaven, are speaking to an audience, a patriarchal desert audience, right? You know, you're, you're gonna have these wide-eyed virgins, you're gonna have gardens beneath which rivers flow. I mean, that's gonna be especially appealing to people who are living in the desert and are fiercely patriarchal and such. And so that's one point to think about. So then how is it for all time and place? It's the principles that are built into the text that are universal for all time and place. So in the ayah on, on taking out loans, the ayah itself gives you a number of principles. What's more fair? What will remove doubt? So on and so on. And here, we also have some, some principles to consider. So here, one way to translate for the familiarity of the Quraysh, another way to translate is for the safety of the Quraysh in the winter and summer. And so just like you talked about the hierarchies of needs, safety is one is an innate need or security from fear. Uh, what else are some of the innate needs? Shelter and sustenance are here that Allah's given them all this. Um, uh, trade and travel, because you know they're traveling these two different parts of the year, and religious devotion. So they should worship the house of Allah. So we even have some of the basics of a society uh, in this ayah, shelter and sustenance, trade and travel, security from fear, and religious devotion. And those are almost like the core pegs of society. That if those are healthy, then effectively society is healthy. And if any of those are corrupt, then society is not healthy. And I think those are all the, the, the big points. And even like this, the caravan. So one caravan to the north, one caravan to the south. And the turnaround time was sometimes almost as much as six months, or it'll be six months worth of wealth. Because it was the caravan, Abu Sufyan's caravan to Syria that had literally half the year's wealth. And he didn't want to lose it. And the, the Quraysh are like, no. Uh, Muhammad announces, peace be upon him, that he's going to seize these caravans. We're going to go and fight. And that led to the Battle of Badr. And, uh, and, but otherwise, I think you, you got everything else, you know, mm -hmm. um, when um, they would go to Syria, they would go to present day Syria, right? It's not in, in reference to like Bilad al-Sham, where like it could so be Iraq one year, Palestine another year. Uh, I would speak of it as Sham, okay. you know, Bilad al-Sham, which is probably like a whole, it's probably not one city, it's probably not only Damascus. Mm -hmm. Damascus is definitely part of it. But it's probably like almost a big circle mm. or a big loop to multiple mm -hmm. places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did have a question. I know, like, um, we mentioned that, you know, the, the Quraysh, even like in pre, you know, Islamic times, they were considered to have like high standards and considered to be like the moral ones. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, 
the prophet peace be upon him like even before islam would like for example like meditate and like spend he would spend a lot of time alone is that something that was taught to him through like the quraysh was it like very common for them like as a practice so in terms of what we're calling moral morality uh i'd like to replace that word with nobility Mm. you know uh, because obviously they treated their slaves horribly and they used to take advantage of people in terms of selling things and such. And the worst of it all is burying their daughters, right? Mm-hmm. And by nobility, I don't mean they're acting noble, but they're acting like they are nobles. Got and it. so part of the honor of nobility is certain types of conduct. And the biggest aspect of that is generosity. Right? So they would take great pride in taking care of pilgrims and such and, and other aspects of generosity for guests and such. That's where they're very strong. And they're very strong in terms of keeping their commitments. And so, you know how they speak of honor among thieves, like there's a whole code of conduct among thieves. There's also a certain type of honor among nobility. And that's where they were strong. Mm. But if you look at all the things they did wrong, they did a bunch of horrendous you know, character things that were wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when the message of the prophet Jesus started growing. But, uh, but yeah, and uh, I forgot, did you have a second question? Um, oh, no, I was just asking if, uh, like, when the prophet would, like, meditate, was oh, that yeah, something yeah. that was yeah. common? Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, this practice, um, um, it's not sure where he, or I've not come across where he has gotten it from as an idea. Mm. Uh, but it just seems intuitive that he, he himself wasn't satisfied by everything life was saying or people were saying life is all about. And so he would just go on a personal retreat. So, so I don't know that anyone gave him this idea. It's possible that in one of his trade uh, journeys, he's learned about it. Um, but it also seems something very, very intuitive that, you know, I just need to take some time off and figure things out. And so mm-hmm. the easiest way to do that is just to go to one of the local caves. Yeah. And then my final question was, I know, so Jeddah eventually became the place where a lot of people would just come um, from Mecca if they needed anything. Was it considered like a sort of like a port area or like? I mean, I think that's definitely what it became. And Mm -hmm. and so uh, I believe it it follows that it probably was at that time, but it definitely becomes, as we know, it definitely becomes that later on. Yeah. Because I'm, I mean, trying to figure out how do how would they go to Abyssinia and do trade there? It was probably through the port. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As I mean, this this kind of just ties in with like a lot of like what's going on in in society today. I know that like the writer mentioned, for example, like um, the leader of of Benu Hashem would constantly always like give to make sure that everybody you know, in the community had. So like even the poor people tended to live like they were they were okay. Um, and, you know, some of them even more than that. And I'm just thinking about like society today. And it might be because I was recently just like reading a lot about inequality in society and like how like whether or not inequality is inevitable. 
Um, and it was actually, I think, a podcast that I was listening to. And somebody mentioned that they believe that in, inequality is inevitable. Um, and the reason that they, they said that was because they were just thinking of like, you know, in order for things to not be, or like for an inequality to not exist, we'd need a society that was very similar to communism and that just never has succeeded, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I don't know, like reading certain things like this and then like just listening to modern secular people make their statements. I I don't know, I kind of get like trapped. Maybe I'm just like not understanding both sides Mm -hmm. completely. Um, but I'm, I'm just interested in, in regards to like knowing or tracing back to, I guess, where, where like today's society could be incorrect as well as, I don't know, better learn about how previous time was kind of just, or like historically how this society was functioning. Yeah. And I know it's a lot more complex today. I, yeah. I understand that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like one of the theoretical questions is, is it possible to have true justice in this world? Is it possible to have complete justice in the world? Well, one way to think about it is how long did the generation of the prophet persona last? Mm. Hmm. That's a generation of last, a 30 year. Yeah. In history, that's a tiny blip. And, and so, we would say, yes, it's possible. As hard as it is to get there, it's also very hard to sustain. Uh, But nevertheless, (laughs) the more important way to look at it is that, is there ways to improve the society that I'm in? The answer to the question is always gonna be yes. And so rather than look at, okay, can this ideal destination be received? We'd say, yeah, sure, probably for a blip of time, 40 years, 30 years, 20 years. Um, the bigger point is that you, uh, whatever society you're in, there's always space for improvement in the same way that there's space for uh, you improve to, for you to always improve individually. If that's true, that there's always a way for you to improve. And that means for society, which is all people, there's always space for society in order to improve. And that's what you have to focus on. And then you make it even more local. You know, you focus on your self, your family, your neighborhood. Mm. Of course, there are systemic things that affect your neighborhood, your family, yourself. And so those also have to be addressed in a different way. Those are harder, much harder to address. Because even when we talk about things like racism and white supremacy, that's a systemic thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, those would be more challenging. But I guess what you were kind of going back to is kind of just starting small, like doing what's, yes. yeah, what's in your power. Because it's like your highest level of obligations. I don't know why I keep disappearing on this page. Your highest level of obligations is basically like your heart, yourself. And then things that are close to you, but then the further you get from your heart, the level of obligations start decreasing. Mm. So you have huge obligations to your neighbor. Yeah. But someone in a different land, not necessarily. Yeah. And then is that why 
you know, a lot of people will kind of reference the fact that the more power you have, the more responsibility you have. Like yeah, I mean, more... that's uh, Uncle Ben from Spider-Man yeah. <laughs> and, and Voltaire and such. But yeah, I mean, just like you have, the more wealth you have, the more responsibility you have. Mm -hmm. So it's probably the more power you have, the more responsibility you have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was, no, that, I mean, that conversation is just it's very interesting and very relevant, especially because um, I read recently that this pandemic has um, made the rich richer and the poor poor. So, totally. you know, you know, it, this yeah. type of disruption that is the pandemic really ex exposes a lot of the, the cracks in society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like right by campus uh, is one of the hotspots. And that's simply because people can't afford to work from home. They don't have that privilege. Mm -hmm. you know? um, it has a high population of essential workers that yeah. like people don't even consider like essential because when people think of essential, they think of doctors and nurses. You know? They don't think of, you know, taxi yeah. drivers, bus drivers, you know. Exactly, the person who's putting milk in the in the freezer in the, in the, grocery, mm -hmm. store. the grocery store workers, yeah. 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 So. Else. Anything else? Um, I believe that is it. Okay, so, so next time we will do Surah 105, inshallah. Inshallah. Jazakallah. Subhanakallah, Humma, we can finish with La ilaha illa anta, Nasta Kirita, whatever you like. Right now, I tell the word to you and everyone else, inshallah.